World's Finest Podcast, Episode 85. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how are you? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm, I'm doing really good. You know, as I said to you off the air, you know, this uh, this, this past weekend, did a lot of uh, wedding planning, you know, just, just spoke about guest lists and venues and catering and all that stuff. All, all the fun stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there was, a, there was a point when I joked um, both about both of us, we have stepdads, and uh, the stepdads they went off, you know, to another part of the house. And I joked, "Can I go with them?" And everybody, all the women looked at me like, "No." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> nice no, try. I, no, I mean, all joking aside, I don't want to leave it up to the women folk. You know what I mean? I'm not a big believer in it being the bride's day. I think it's the couple's day. So you know, I kind of want to have a say in those things. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 going good, you know. It's it's going real good. It's one of those things where I know I'm gonna wake up, uh, come that Saturday in June, and open my eyes and be like, "Holy shit, this is it!" You know, like right now it seems so far away, but that's, I'm gonna blink, and next thing I know, I'm married. So yeah, yeah. yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm dating again. Have a new Excellent. girlfriend. Everything's. Excellent. Everything's pretty cool on my yeah. end here. Well, that's very good. Um, we should let... I hope you don't mind me transitioning away. Um, Not at all. Okay. We should let our listeners know that, of course, they got the, you know, delayed episode 84 of World's Finest Podcast this past Monday. They're getting this episode, episode 85, on, well, the Wednesday that they're listening to it, assuming they download it the day it goes up. But that's not it. You're actually going to get a third episode of WFP this week. This Friday, you're going to get episode 86, in which James and I will finish out the fourth season of Teen Titans when we cover the end. The reason we're doing this is because, you know, there have been delays, and the show's fallen behind schedule. Originally, it was set to end on the 16th of March, uh, excuse me, the 16th of February, and, uh, you know, it just got to the point where they just gotten pushed further back and further back. And I really want to get it back on track. And if we get these three episodes out in the week, um, then we can definitely end it on the 16th of March. And if we can speed things up, you know, episode here and episode there, we can get it back to the 16th of February. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really trying to get things back on schedule for you guys, just as a sort of a thank you for putting up with our uh, recent delays with this show. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, and I don't remember if I said this in the last episode or not, but just in case people missed it, I want everybody to go to earth2.net and look for the podcast called Avatar The Last Podcast. It's a brand new monthly podcast put out by earth2.net. It's recorded by Kellen Scrivens along with his friends Randy and Steph where they talk about Avatar The Last 
Airbender. In every episode, they're going to do it very WFP style, where they are going to go through and they're going to talk about three episodes of the uh, Avatar uh, cartoon. And uh, how many episodes were there? What are we, 61 or something 61, like yeah. Right, yeah. So it's, you know, because they're doing it monthly, it's going to be the last Friday of every month. It's going to take them a few years to get through it. Um but uh, you know, you guys have really been asking for this. You've 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 for a long, long time, and uh-huh. it's finally here. So definitely go to Earth2.net, look it up on iTunes, get it any way you can. I've heard the first episode; it's a great, great inaugural episode. So I, I can't recommend uh, that podcast enough. So that all said, uh, because we're recording this the same night that WFP eighty four uh, hit. Uh, worldsfinestpodcast.com, earth2.net, and iTunes. Um, we, I, we do actually have a couple of bits of feedback, but what I want to do is I want to save the ones from episode 84. I want to let them come in a little more. Um, if we happen to get any for episode 85 in between the point this goes up and we record 86, we'll then put them all together and we'll record it uh, for episode 86. So it's probably be a shorter episode because we're only covering four episodes and no feedback, but hey, that's just the way it is sometimes. The ancient order used the name Scath to protect the true identity of their master. We know him as Trigon. Are you serious? That's who we're up against? Oh, man. His cruelty is legendary, even on my world. So, what makes you go all glowy in the dark? It's a warning. It means Trigon is coming. And the way he gets here is through me. I'm not just a person. I'm a portal. But Raven... Why you? Because Trigon is my father. Bad things are going to happen soon. Really bad things. And it's going to be my fault. I thought I could handle this alone. I tried, but I was wrong. For confiding in us, we are most humbled. I only have one question. How do we stop him? We don't. That doesn't mean we still can't try. First up today is The Prophecy. In this one, Robin is going over and over and over and over the tape of Slade kicking the hell out of them a while back. Uh, But they can't find out what that S symbol on Slade's head means. Uh, Cyborg says he's somehow uh, cross-referenced every single database on Earth and can't find out what it means. We next go to Raven uh, meditating in a room, and her meditations are interrupted by Slade, and uh, eventually Trigon appears and repeats that her destiny is clear. The portal must be opened. Everything is all fiery, brimstony, and uh, she awakens from her meditation and hyperventilation with the S symbol on her forehead. And Robin asks Raven if she's okay, and eventually she just says Slade is not the one that concerns her. Alarm sounds, and the Titans head off to this rundown section of town where Slade is just torching everything. And the Titans intervene, but, you know, again, Slade is just way too powerful and agile for them with all these new powers he has at his disposal. And Robin demands to know what the symbol means, and Slade just comes right out and says it's the mark of Scath, and he's about to make it very, very well known. Uh, Raven then confronts Slade and demands to know what he's planning. And Slade actually tells the truth for once and says he's not planning anything. And Slade then teleports away, and 
up in the sky, Starfire sees that Slade has burned this scath symbol into the entire block of town. And after all said and done, the only building left standing is this library that was abandoned decades ago. And the Titans go in, but Raven refuses to go with them, and she just goes back to the tower. And uh, the Titans find a secret passage into catacombs that Cyborg says predate the entire city. Uh, they hear a voice speak a prophecy about a gem, and afterwards they're attacked by these ghost things that can't be touched but can hurt them. Meanwhile, Raven, who can't, who apparently can no longer meditate, her meditation is blocked now by Slade and Trigon, I guess. Um, she uses a spell to, I, I, I assume, teleport to Azeroth, or at least a memory of it. And the Titans eventually reach the bottom of the catacombs where this giant stone hand is coming out of the ground, but there's no gem on it. So Slade greets them and begins another fight. This intent, uh, this is his, I guess, intention of finishing them off here. And Raven finds her mother, Arella, and begs her to tell her some way to stop the prophecy, but Arella can't offer any help at all. And she says, Raven's destiny was told at her birth, and it's too late for Earth, just as it was too late for Azeroth. Suddenly, the entire world she's in just turns into a fiery nightmare, and we see the four eyes of Trigon again. And back on Earth, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, the Titans are about to be reduced to ashes, but Raven appears and throws an entire wall at Slade, (laughs) crushing him against another wall. And Slade says it's cute how she wants to protect her friends, even though it's only delaying the inevitable. And Raven then starts playing mind games with Slade, asking if his master told him not to harm his little gem. And Slade backs down and tries to warp away, but Raven uses her powers to pull him out of the ground and pulls a Slade move herself, saying, I'm not finished yet. (laughs) And she just hurls him all over the room, slamming him into walls, crushing him with things, and with her coup de grace, she just drops this humongous chunk of rock on top of him and flings him into another wall. And when we see uh, Slade next, his body and his head are all just mangled all to hell, and he just, like, cracks his neck back into place. Uh, and he says, you may not fear me, but look who's afraid of you. And we see the Titans. They're all, especially Peace Boy, they're all like, <laughs> And um, Raven just looks at the Titans, and they all go home, and Finally, Raven explains what's going on. She explains that Scaff was just a misnomer that a cult used to protect the true identity of their lord and master, Trigon. Starfire says that Trigon's cruelty is legendary even on Tamaran. And Raven says that, you know, I'm not just a person, I'm a portal. And oh, by the way, Trigon is my father. (laughs) Uh, Cyborg's like, well, how do we stop Trigon? Raven's like, you can't. So elsewhere, we see Slade bowing to Trigon. He says, the prophecy has been fulfilled. She knows what she must do. And Trigon says, you've served me well, and if you continue to do so, I will honor your deal and return to you what you have lost. What do you think, sir? I like this one, but I feel it's missing something, and I can't quite put my finger on what that is. Could it be because this is really a bridge episode? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of setup for what we're going to get in the end. As And as you said, it's a bridge from the previous story, uh, Birthmark, I believe it was. Um, but even still, bridge episodes can be very good. 
Um, and again, I want to stress this one is very good, but it just, I think it kind of lacked the emotion of Birthmark and especially of The End. Maybe that's what it was missing. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but those are my initial thoughts. What about you? Are, well, are you kind of, I guess, in, in some kind of way saying that maybe they blew their load a little bit with Birthmark and just with, all, you know, with Raven getting her clothes just shredded off and Slade coming back and all that. I, I can, I kind of understand where you're coming from there with it possibly being, they just couldn't top what they did before and they won't be able to until the end. Yeah, I, I think that might be it because this episode does do a lot of good things. Like it, it answers the question, why doesn't Raven just run away? You know, and she tries and she learns, no, she has to face her destiny. No matter what may come, she has to do this. Um, and, you know, it, it also uh, brings the Titans um, into the light. Like, they kind of know sort of something weird's going on. Now they know fully what's going on. So it does that stuff well, but, yeah, just, just could have been done a little better. You know, this was, uh, to, to use your analogy about them blowing their load... This is like doing it like the second or third time in the night, you know? <laughs> it's still good, but, you know, it's not as good as that first or second time. <laughs> uh, and then you get to the end, and it's all like, woo, that was, whoa. Oh, okay, never mind. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I do. I, I fully understand what you're saying there, but, I mean, I just, I look at this episode, and, again, I just... I can't find a flaw with this one, really. The animation is spectacular. L let me jump uh, in there real quick. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you as, as you're about to go on. But when, whenever there's the heat effect in front of Slade, like not the fire effect, but just like the shimmering heat, like when the heat's coming off the road, it is awesome the way they blur it and bring it back in and out. It's so stunning. Oh, mm -hmm. that, that top-notch animation is what I'm sorry. Please continue. I just had to say that. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, my favorite is when Raven returns from Azeroth and just beats the unholy shit out of Slade. Mm -hmm. Her, the animation on her is maybe the best in the entire series. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the end notwithstanding, because we haven't gotten to that yet. But my God, her just the whole the whole of the animation on her in that one scene where she's her eyes turn white and she's just in a fit of utter rage. And all the uh, black energy coming off of her is, it's just so, so well animated. I cannot praise them enough for how well it came off in this, in this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you were oh, talking. and, and oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm so, I was going to say again, uh, uh, kind of on the animation, but just kind of a general note here, just when Slade is, this, and this has happened before, this happened in uh, Birthmarks, you know, Slade gets horribly, horribly mutilated, and he just, like, kind of cracks his skeleton back into place. It's... Ugh. Yeah, they're really driving home the point that Slade did die. And at this point, he's a reanimated monster. We know that Raven just killed him in this episode, had he been human. But mm -hmm. because now he's some demonic-powered shell of his former self zombie yeah he can literally shake that off and uh, it's it's very frightening and, um, and another another one is when robin is confronting him in the uh I, the burn uh, in the burn down section of town and 
he's he's just yelling at Slade, and Slade just kind of lurches forward without moving his arms, like mm-hmm. a kind of like a zombie, really. That's what I was going to say. Creepy. There, there's points in this episode where Slade sometimes shambles. Say that three times fast. Um, <laughs> and I liked that. I liked that a lot because when we saw him in Birthmark, he wasn't walking like that. And I wondered if they had him doing it here. Like Slade was doing it on purpose just to try to scare them. Like, look, I can shamble around and still kick all y'all asses, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I loved the way they had him walking. It was great. But again, but getting back to the fight between Raven and Slade at the end there, you know, she, as you said, she throws that entire wall at him. She's picking up rocks and stones and crushing him with them. Is that supposed to be some symbolism about Terra? Raven could pick up anything and throw it at him. She could put him in her little black bubbles and try to tear him to shreds. But she's using stones. I mean, granted, she wasn't crazy about Terra, but at the end of the day, she did learn to respect her because Sarah, Sarah, uh, Terra saved the world. And I'm wondering if that was just a little nod towards her. That would be very cool if that were the case. Yeah, I mean... Granted, you know, I'm sure Raven has used stones before she met Terra, so my theory could easily be chucked out the window, but using stones to try to beat up and or kill Slade, when there's a connection to a girl who can control stones, just saying. I think you can draw a line. Well, look, go back to Birthmark when she's in the street with him, and she just, like, turns her head and makes those two huge chunks of pavement come up and crush him, Uh too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is one of my favorite moments of all of Teen Titans. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. We get to see Azeroth. Yes. Her home dimension. We get to see her mom. I forgot all about this stuff. I, I honestly forgot that we actually saw her home and her mom. Mm-hmm. And that was like, whoa to me. Because I'm like, where the, when she was fleeing, I'm like, where the hell is she going? You know, is she going into space? What is she doing? And then when she was on Azeroth, I was like, ooh, forgot him. Because, I mean, I, really, I've maybe seen this one once or twice before. This isn't one I've viewed all that often. Um, so it's very easy for all this stuff to have slipped in my mind. This is another one I like to sit back and just watch. Because, again, this was a huge part of the, the music video I made of this. It, oh, this yeah. this birthmark and the end were all, all five you know five combined episodes. And God, I love all of them like equally. Mm-hmm. I don't think I love a single one of those five episodes more than any other. Oh, wow, okay, cool. Um, I do have a couple more notes if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. Um, one is there's a point about midway through, maybe even early on in the episode, where Raven sort of confronts Slade. I think she's, I don't remember if she's standing on stairs or floating in front of a building, but the window that's behind her is the same window that's in Doctor Strange's house. Um, go yeah, she's go- standing on the staircase. Right, okay. Yeah, that window that's behind her with that weird design, it's kind of, it looks kind of mm-hmm. like a warped frame. That's exactly from Doctor Strange's house. So I thought that was a nice little nod to another magical comic book character. Um, oh. Let's see, what else was there? Oh, explain this to me. Why? Okay, at the end, when Raven's like, Trigon's my father, I thought the Titans already knew that. I mean, at the very least, Beast Boy and Cyborg should, because they were in oh, her yeah. head. Yeah. They saw Trigon, and she's like, I have daddy issues. 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Starfire and Robin, I could say, wouldn't know it, but shouldn't these other two guys? But they acted surprised. Maybe, well, too. they didn't know that was his name. They didn't know, like, and Tri- this is the first time they've heard the name Trigon. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is literally the first mention of the word Trigon in the entire series is this episode. Okay, see, I didn't, I was, I was looking back at this with 2020 hindsight, you know, and it didn't dawn on me that they hadn't used the name before or brought it up. Okay, okay, pardon me. Then, then I can get past it. I definitely can. Um, and I think the last note I wrote down, and oh, it is the last note I wrote down, but I think the last one I really want to, last thing I want to mention is there's this line of dialogue, and I'm going to recite it in a second here, that's very cliched. Um, what he said, Robin says to Slade, we're not leaving without that gem. Slade says, you don't understand, you're not leaving at all. That's a very kind of cheesy villain thing to say. The -hmm. thing is, though, Ron Perlman is such a brilliant voice actor, he makes that line work perfectly. Yep, yep. I mean, every time I hear that, I think to myself, yeah, that's cheesy, and in a lesser voice actor, I would roll my eyes. But in the hands of Ron Perlman, or (laughs) off the tongue of Ron Perlman, he sells it, and you believe it. I mean, had Raven not showed up, he was he was going to end the Titans right then and there. Yep. But she and showed up and saved all their asses. That, that was such a brilliant delivery and a great scene all around. I got to the only other voice actor off the top of my head that I think could deliver that line mm-hmm. and have it not be cheesy is Michael Ironside. Oh, yeah. You know what? As Darkseid, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Starfire, wait up! Star, why do you keep running away from me? I am giving you the space. Is that not what you require? You're still thinking about that? Starfire, we're stranded on a hostile alien planet. I know. Did you hope the perilous space station explosion followed by our calamitous crash then combat with the horrible slug creature would make me forget? Uh... Yes. Perhaps we would have more success if you searched the left half of the planet and I searched the right. I don't want to split up. Look, will you please just stop and talk to me? So you are now prepared to explain why I am neither a girl nor your friend? Uh, It appears that the Grishnik has got your tongue. Should have let that slug eat me when I had the chance. Next up is Stranded. And I gotta tell you guys, I don't think the synopsis is gonna be that long, but <laughs> here we go. Uh, the Titans, they go up to a space station. It's actually some sort of communications relay. And uh, they, they discover that it has uh, been sabotaged. Uh, Cyborg quickly fixes it. Uh, once all the light comes back on, um, we see that there's some sort of alien monster thingy in there, and he uh, has some sort of sonic scream lays waste to the Titans, they they fight, they give chase, and uh, during this whole thing, it appears like Robin and Starfire defeat the Beastie, and uh, Cyborg, uh, what does he say? He says something to Robin like, oh, good job, Robin, but you couldn't have done it without your girlfriend, and Robin's like, she's not my girlfriend, and Starfire <laughs> is, of course, thrown off because she's like, am I not a girl that is your friend, and Robin's like, um, uh, hmm, 
Robin is not disappointed to see the monster return and interrupt the awkward moment. Uh, the Titans, they run back to their ship as quick as possible um, as the space station is uh, getting destroyed. It's just blowing up. Uh, they think they're scot-free, but it turns out that the monster has attached itself to the ship and it's shooting its sonic beams at it. As it's attacking the ship, Robin says, do not separate. I repeat, do not separate. But the sonic wave from the creature uh, causes that that uh, transmission to be interrupted. They all hear, separate. Uh, so they do. Um, and it, all, all the pieces end up on uh, one alien world. Um, they end up... Um, what is it, Beast Boy and Cyborg, they end up, um, Cyborg, upon crashing, is just destroyed. And uh, it's up to Beast Boy to cart the uh, kind of uh, mutant, not mutated, the mutilated is the word I want, uh, Cyborg around to look for his parts. Raven is uh, being followed around by some weird little chipper aliens that repeat everything she says. Uh, they don't get the point, they don't get the, the, the fact that shut up and go away or whatever she says to them are insults, so they keep repeating them back to her with just absolute joy. And uh, But the thrust of this is uh, Robin and Starfire. And, uh, you know, they, they find each other on this world again, and Starfire is giving him the cold shoulder because of what he said, and uh, Robin's trying to mend things, and at the end of the day, they do have a sit-down, and without saying they have feelings for each other, they're saying they have feelings for each other. And uh, the, the the beastie that was on the space station that caused him the crash in the first place, it comes back. And uh, Robin and Starfire, they are able to defeat it. And how they do this is, early in the episode, uh, about midway through, Starfire, Starfire couldn't use her powers. And Robin later asks her, what happened there? And she says, Tamaranians, our powers are based on our feelings. And Robin's like, yeah, but we've been in the heat of battle before, very scared, and you've been able to use your powers. And she's like, no, it has nothing to do with the monster. Robin gets it has all to do with him. Uh, so at the end of the episode, once they start to make amends, he takes her hand and uh, says, let's fly. They fly uh, as the beastie charges at them, and uh, it falls to its doom. And um, <laughs> they, uh, they, they they put the T-ship the or whatever it is back together, and uh, with everything all happy and hunky-dory, they fly back to Earth. That's this one, really. Yep. Did I leave anything out? Uh, not really. Okay, what are you thinking? This was a lot of fun. It really it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not the best fun episode by any stretch, but still very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I love everything that goes on between Robin and Starfire. Yeah. It's just just the height of awkwardness. Yeah. <laughs> Which all came to a head, I think, with the following exchange. I don't think you understand. On our planet, girlfriend means a female with whom you have a pleasant and special association, including the sharing of enjoyable recreation and occasionally the buying of bountiful floral arrangements. Okay, maybe you do understand. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I've got one more note for this whole thing. Okay. Um, and that is Beast Boy can turn into a Wookiee. Yeah. That is awesome. That is great. He turns into Chewbacca. And again, I don't know if you saw, he turned into the Bigfoot again. Yeah. Yeah, so he does Chewbacca and a Bigfoot here. But I, his, I don't know why he turned into Chewbacca. I mean, maybe Cyborg was supposed to look like some R2-D2 chicken. I don't know. Well, I think that was kind of a 
a nod to Empire Strikes Back where Chewie has to carry the, like, broken C-3PO. Oh my god. Brilliant. I never picked up on that. And I've seen this one, I don't know, four or five times. And I've never, because he doesn't, he doesn't carry him as Chewbacca. That's why I never picked up on it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You are absolutely right. Good, good one, sir. Good. One. And then and in the same scene, we get a reference to Giant Robo, the anime. Where, yeah, was, and he even, he turns into and he even turns into a little the little kid in the exact same outfit he wears, and they just blast off into space for no reason. I was wondering what anime that was. I mean, I looked at that, and I, all I wrote down was anime thing. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I'm like, okay, okay, I, I know this is referencing something, but I'm not uh, versed enough in anime to know. <laughs> yeah, but I love them with the little schoolboy outfit and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're right, they just go up into space, and it's like, man. <laughs> yeah, it, that whole scene was so wacky. It was just, I laughed my ass off at it. I was just like, oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> just out of nowhere, just, they just fly up into space and blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, I, I love every interaction between Beast Boy and Cyborg because throughout the whole the whole thing, Beast Boy's like, I can't understand what you're saying. Speak English, and Cyborg's been speaking and you know tech talk the whole episode. He can't understand a word he's saying. Pull the candy cane thingamahoozit or whatever he says. Yeah, at the end, he's trying to get them to pull the turbo stick or whatever. <laughs> I love the point where Beast Boy's like, you mean the th- in reference to a different part, you mean the thing that looks like pizza with eyeballs? And Cyborg tells the technical name for it. And Beast yeah. Boy's like, why can't you just say the eyeball pizza thingy? <laughs> <laughs> you mean this little donut thing? <laughs> hey, well, you think there's a donut shop on this planet? Yeah, this this one is this one definitely is a lot of fun. They did a good job balancing the fun with Cyborg and Beast Boy, and even the little bit we get with Raven and those weird little alien things, with the seriousness of Robin and uh, I almost said Cyborg. That would have been a whole different cartoon. <laughs> the seriousness <laughs> of of Robin and Starfire. I almost said Cyborg again in my head. I want Cyborg <laughs> and Robin to get together. Apparently, I don't know. Um, but hmm. like, <laughs> Cyborg loves dick. There, I said it. Uh, <laughs> it had to did, be said. Yeah. What did you think of what we got here with Starfire and Robin? As you said, you feel it all came to a head with that exchange <laughs> of, of hers. But really, what did you think about it? I liked it. I'm glad they finally you know, went somewhere with it because they've had flirtations. That, you know, even I think in our last episode of WFP we talked about Starfire being really sad with Robin going on the quest and she's just all sitting almost crying on the couch because he's not there and and then the the, what's her face the daughter of Killer Moth uh, Destiny whatever I think that was her name no that was Date with it was Destiny. called Date with Destiny, but her name wasn't Destiny. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got something concrete out of it here. Uh, let's see. Looking this up. Her name was Kitten. Kitten. Okay. Yeah, that was it. Sorry, I just, I just would have gone bonkers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as you were saying, they, they they did these little things, and you never know if they're actually going to do anything with it because they do that in cartoons, you know. They'll throw out a hint that someone's got a crush on someone else. But here, they really did take the next step and start to progress the relationship, which, of course, comes to a head in uh, uh, Teen Titans' uh, Trouble in Tokyo. Uh-huh. Um, so so this served as a good, to use your word from earlier, bridge between uh, what we've gotten before and what we're going to get uh, uh, a little ways down the line. 
Um, now, earlier in this episode, something I appreciated greatly was we saw a lot of teamwork between the Teen Titans. You know, every now and then we'll see Starfire and Raven team up to do that green-black blasty thing. Robin and Cyborg have that thing that they screwed up in the first episode, and then they yeah. got, you know, at the end. And, you know, we see this and that. But in the beginning, we see all the Titans team up to do various maneuvers, a lot of things we haven't even seen before. Um, and I thought that showed really good writing and really good animation. It's really good storytelling on the part of the uh, creative team here. Um you know, it's just reminding us that, yeah, there are five individual superheroes that could go out and take on villains on their own. But when they do come together, they've been together for a long time and they're a very formidable fo uh, force. So the fact that they had that great teamwork, but they couldn't take down this this one off beastie thing very easily. Um, again, at least in the start of this episode, shows you how strong it is. I think they were showing the teamwork stuff to put over the beastie. It's here! It's here! What's here? My super new, super fast, super powerful Maximum 7! Please, what is a Maximum 7? It's a new computer processor, eight times faster than the Maximum 6. So, I guess we're upgrading the Titan's computer? No. We're upgrading me! With the Maximum 7, I'll be able to do more, see more, and get more out of life than ever. Dude, you actually want to do more stuff? My goal in life is Maximum Couch Time. I understand wanting to live life to its fullest, but putting a chip in your brain? My head's already full of chips, and I ran a complete diagnostic before I ordered it. The Max 7 is fully compatible with all my systems. Totally safe. safe. Next up is Overdrive. In this one, Cyborg is shown loving to get the most out of his day, so one day he, when he doesn't even do half the stuff he wants to do, he sees this commercial for something called a Maximum 7 computer processor made by none other than Star Labs. Yes. Uh, so he orders it, and he he physically installs it into his brain, and is just instantly supercharged, and he just starts doing everything just super fast. He beats the crap out of Robin in basketball. He wins a spelling bee. He just does all, I swear to God, he does like 15 things in like, well, whatever, 700,000 things in like four hours. Yeah. And um, on a beach somewhere, Adonis is back and up to his usual bullshit, and Cyborg beats the hell out of him with this new chip installed, making, you know, it's made him super fast and stronger. And... Uh, as I said, he flies through his schedule and whatnot. And um, later, the Titan's alarm sounds, and a new extremely annoying villain named Billy Numerous <laughs> is robbing some jewelry stores. And we see that he can duplicate himself dozens or even a hundred times. And even Cyborg can't stop him. And the original Billy gets away with the help of the duplicates. And they go searching for him all throughout the wee hours of the morning, and they just the Titans just tire out and they need sleep. But Cyborg presses on, devotes his system's power to this Max Seven ship. He keeps finding uh, Billy Numerous, but the dude just keeps getting away. And with each heist that he pulls off, Cyborg starts devoting more and more power to the computer chip and starts turning off more of his emotions and feelings like hunger and you know whatever else. But eventually, his entire CPU is devoted to the Max Seven. And his emotions are all shut down. 
And when they find numerous again, Cyborg pulls anime cliche number 85 and prepares to unleash some ridiculously powerful and flashy attack with his arms flailing behind him. <laughs> and uh, when he's about to blast all the Billy Numeruses to dust, his entire system overloads and just shuts down, and he crashes down on top of a bridge. Uh, so the Titans get Cyborg back to the tower, and they save his life by removing the chip and reactivating all of his other functions. And Cyborg's like, but I couldn't keep up with Billy Numerous with the chip. How can I without it? So Beast Boy, of all people, chimes, <laughs> chimes in with some profound wisdom and says, dude, if I wanted to, I could always morph into the fastest and strongest animal, but sometimes it's better to be slow and steady like a turtle. Beast so, Boy with some zen. What the fuck? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love Raven coming up behind him. That would have been so profound if you weren't wearing the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's got some origami hat on. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they find Billy and his hundred copies, and the Titans have a trick up their sleeve. They look like they've duplicated themselves a hundred times, very much Three Amigos style. And uh, the Titans systematically take down Billy and all of his copies. And Billy then tries to duplicate himself again, but for some reason he can't, and all the clones just return to him overloads his body or something it was very very strange well i think what happened is how cyborg like pushed himself too far earlier billy has now pushed himself too far here yeah, i think we're supposed to assume billy can only make a hundred duplicates or technically 99 duplicates for a hundred yeah. billies and he was going for a hundred one and uh he pushed himself too far and snapped back like cyborg did i think maybe i don't that's know. probably that's it. probably what it is yeah <laughs> So he's done, and Cyborg is shown to have had a hologram projector working the whole time, and they're all like, uh, great, awesome. And Cyborg's like, he took down Billy without even moving. Hmm. Actually, the rest of the team took him down, but whatever. Yeah. So they go home, Cyborg goes to sleep, the end. So let's let's have you go first. Um, I, I get a feeling you're not crazy about this one. Uh, not exactly. Okay, tell us why. Okay, were they trying to make a carbon copy of that Static Shock episode where Richie got the superpowers, or is that just my imagination? I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Because this was, was clearly about addiction. I was uh, clearly in, thinking this was about drugs and addiction, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy Numerous, worst Teen Titans villain ever, or is Mumbo still holding that title? We've got Mother May I coming up. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. And we also had Punk Rocket or whatever the fuck his name was. What was his yeah, name? but that was just a that little twelve minute thing. I don't even know if that counts. To be fair, I kind of like Billy Numerous. It could be because he's a hillbilly, and you know, a whole bunch of my dad's side of the family are hillbillies too. So maybe I got a soft spot for the guy. I don't know. Look, <laughs> look where I live, sir. I'm surrounded by them. All day. Oh, see, then you've got a bias. You've you got an anti-hillbilly bias. <laughs> I'm not anti-hillbilly. I'm just, you know, I, I'm used to it after living here for 27 years. Oh, okay. I, th I thought your disdain for Billy came from the fact that you were just tired of seeing them surrounding you. No, no, no. I just, I think he's a very annoying villain. I mean, just... he is. He's completely over the top. But he's one of those villains that he's not going to try to take over the world. He's just there to carve out a little fortune for himself. That said, I don't know why he steals the bridge, which I take great issue with. I don't care how many fucking billies he generated. They're not going to be able to heft that bridge, but whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, he's just he's just a low-level thug with a high-level power. 
and uh, it shows. It absolutely shows. And uh, yeah, with his accent and his silliness, and he doesn't really have delusions of grandeur. I I kind of like the guy. I really do. <laughs> I mean, to be to, to each be, his own. <laughs> to be fair, I do like duplication powers. I like Madrox from X mm-hmm. Factor. Um, yeah. And, you know, Billy, I don't think he's cool as cool as Madrox, but, uh, you know, because I like the power, that's another uh, check mark in, in Billy's favor for, 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 for me. So Here's but my I, question mm-hmm. about him, though. Shouldn't he have, like, a multiplication or addition symbol and not a division symbol? Well, that's that's the thing. If he's going, it should be multiplication, but I had this worked out in my head, too. He's dividing himself in two. And then dividing two. See, okay. No, I see what you're saying. If he's going to divide, it. though, he should be each one, each dupe should become smaller. Yeah. Which see, I think I is how Madrax's how got... dupes used to work, if I remember correctly. But you're right. There should be a multiplication symbol on his chest, not the division one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Du- I mean, duplication power has always confused me because it's like, how does the original maintain control of all of them? Well, they sometimes can't, and they've, I've seen that in cartoons before. Right. In the case of Jamie Madrox over from the X-Men and X-Factor, he doesn't. Each dupe is an aspect of his personality. So, like, if, if I had duplication powers, one might get, you know, the, my emo side, one might get my humor, one might get my, just my anger, one might get this, one might get that. And so they all end up with their own different personalities. Billy's dupes, however, are all just him. You know, there's there there there's there's no personality shift, and you know he doesn't seem to have any control over them. Well, it's one of those things where they can go off and do their their own thing, but they all know to come back to master at the end of the day. Where with Jamie Madrox, if he lets a dupe out, sometimes they don't want to come back ever, and he he's had to deal with that. But Billy's dupes are just like, okay, we'll go back, we're fine. So I don't know, I don't know. I, I like the power, I like the characters, so I'm okay with them. Not totally explaining it. Okay, but I, absolutely, I can see why some people, including yourself, would take issue with it. Um, so yes, yes, I'm not going to argue that too much. I already told you I, I like the whole Beast Boy Zen moment. Oh, that uh, is great. That it really is. It's yeah. very, very clever, very insightful, mm-hmm. and the origami hat just made it even better. <laughs> yeah, I love Beast Boy's hats. <laughs> but my other moment that I liked in this one is. Yes, he can now. He now opens larger cans of the butt whoop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, gotta love Starfire. Yeah. Oh, we got a dumpster alert in this one. Mm-hmm. Billy, one of the Billies, I think it was, threw a dumpster at Raven. Was it? Uh or was I it Raven I, threw it at a Billy? I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Someone threw a dumpster. No one ended up in the dumpster, but a dumpster was thrown. That counts in my book. <laughs> I, I agree. I'll allow yeah. it. Um, is this the first time that we've seen an image of Cyborg as a human? Now, granted, we saw him with the hollow generator make himself look like that that guy Stone. Mm-hmm. But that was just a holographic projection. But on his wall, twice in this story, um, at least I think it happens twice, we see, if, we see him in his old football form, completely human. Yeah. Have we had that before, and does that happen again? Um. If you don't count the Cyborg the Barbarian thing where they show him without armor on, then yeah, I think this is the first time. Yeah, I'm not going to count that one because, again, that was just a representation of him. Yeah. Where this is really him before his accident or whatever made him Cyborg. Um, 
So I thought I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Um, and just a nice little hint that, I mean, he said before that he used to be an athlete. But here they're just reminding us, so I like that. But another thing, at the end of at the end of the episode, when they come back to that wall, um, there is a pretty interesting picture of Cyborg as Stone um, dancing with Jinx, going back yes. to that little flirtatiousness uh-huh. they had going on. I like that. I absolutely did. Which they're going to completely abandon since Kid Flash gets this mad crush on her. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, but I love Kid Flash, so yeah. go for it, buddy. Yeah, they're, they're superheroes in love, so, you know, and they're young, so their hormones are all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. They could have multiple crushes. <laughs> yep. I'm um, trying to think if there's anything else to say about this one. Oh, you know what? I'll go back to the bridge thing. That that kind of is a point off for me, because they don't just steal, like, I don't know, like, a piece of the bridge. Like, I'm talking, like, one of those, like, steel cables, which would still be massively heavy. They steal yeah. a giant chunk of this bridge, which weighs tons and tons, and there's only, like, 20 billies carrying it. And, yeah, again, I've said it before, I'm willing to accept demons and aliens and changelings and cyborgs and a guy who can multiply himself and a guy who can come back from the dead and have fireballs and all this and that. But a bunch of guys carrying a bridge? No. There was a line, and that was it. <laughs> yep, they they didn't just cross it; they obliterated it. Exactly. Every I mean, because they show the Billies having trouble picking up single bars of gold. Yeah, and, and like, they can't do anything about Cyborg, really. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, there's maybe let's let's be generous and say all 100 Billies are hefting that bridge, which they're not. But let's just say they are. You know. <laughs> No, if if they can't lift bars of gold or have trouble doing that, they can't lift the flipping bridge. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Just look at them, so snugly and warm, and they really do love me. Love, love, love. I love love. Love keeps children close, and love keeps mothers strong. <laughs> And now that they couldn't possibly love me more, I can extract all their sweet, nourishing affection by baking them with love. <laughs> and last up today is Mother May I. Oh, In this one, uh, the episode starts with the Titans being, like, fed pie by some s- strawberry shortcake-looking granny lady. <laughs> and... You know, she's all like, oh, my children, I love you. And they're all like, we love you, Mother May, or Mother May, or just Mother, or whatever. And um, she keeps feeding them the pie, and they keep asking for more pie. Jesus Christ. There's so much pie eating, it's like lesbian porn. <laughs> Anyways, um, so... <laughs> I was waiting for just the porn reference to come out, or, you know. Yeah. I was waiting for it. It was going to happen. Yeah. But and you did it like 37 seconds into the summary. Bravo, sir. <laughs> I had to bite my tongue. I wanted to bring it up right, right away. Anyways, um, so the, the, the Titans, you know, they're very clearly being brainwashed um, by this monster lady. And uh, they're, they're being taught, like, manners. You know what I mean? Like, Robin, he's doing up his hair, and she makes it all unspiky so that it looks like, the you know, the old-school Dick Grayson hair um, that happens a couple times during the episode. Um, just, just you know, they're all being nice and sweet. And there's one point where they got to go out and defeat the High Five. 
and uh, she doesn't want them to go, and they're like, oh, please, like, okay, you can go out and play, but you gotta be safe, so she puts, like, Cyborg in a raincoat, and she takes away all of Robin's dangerous weapons, Raven is in a dress, uh, uh, Starfire's in some long sweater, and Beast Boy is in some bunny suit, <laughs> so this way he doesn't have to change to all those scary animals. Well, they go out to try to stop the high from just terrorizing them all. They get their asses laughed at. Um, they can't do much of anything against the hive. So Mother shows up and she beats the shit out of the hive. And uh, during the fight, though, Starfire suffers a bump on the head. And from that point forward, she can see Mother for what she really is, which is this ghastly, three-eyed, green, witchy Witch looking hazel. thing. Yeah. Witch hazel. Yeah. And uh, uh, so she, but she has to keep pretending that she's under Mother's spell. Um, when we go back to the tower, she tucks all the Titans in. That's Mother does. She tucks all the Titans in. And we quickly realize that they're in a pie tin, and they're also inside a giant old-school, like, wood or coal-burning oven. And, uh, you know, they're being made into a pie. And uh, Starfire, she tries to wake up her friends, but they're not listening, because, again, they're still all under the spell. And, uh, you know, she confronts Mother, and uh, I forget what happens, but there's a brief little fight. I think she has to, like, f yeah, she has to fend off some, like, gingerbread man men. And uh, she uses her star bolts, and she destroys the stove. And they're all like, oh, you broke Mother's stove. They're all teasing her like siblings would. And she's like, forgive me. And she just whacks them all over the head. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now they can see Mother for what she really is. And then it's just a lot of running around through candy and sweater-themed scenes, trying to get away from Mother, trying to defeat her. And at the end of the day... Robin's like, or he, before this all happens, he asks Cyborg, uh, like, or he asks them, how did all this happen? Because we started in the middle of this story, really. And Cyborg's like, oh, I know. And he tells about how he came across one night, he came across this old gypsy lady who was selling all these magical trinkets, but he decided to buy a pie from her. Because that's what you do. And uh, <laughs> that, that's how this all started. And so Robin's like, well, if it's the pie that got us into this, it's the pie that will get us out. And uh, so he has all the Titans pretend like they're eating the pie again, like they're uh, under her spell. They they apologize for being so mean and causing her so much stress. They, they then, you know, attack her, uh, send her into a portal, I think, which puts her into a pie of her own, causing Raven to look at the pie and say, so she's trapped in the... No, no, who, who says so she's trapped in the pie? Beast Boy? I think... Beast Boy or Cyborg? Yeah, one of them say, so she's trapped in the pie. And Raven's just like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's still a better explanation for how they defeated her than how they defeated Mumbo last time. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, the paint and the kick to the face, I still don't get what happened there. This, at least, fine, they, they tricked her, they and they used her magic, and they put her in a pie. Okay. Well, they take said pie, and they deliver it to the Hive, who are then under her spell. James, what are you thinking? Uh, I, I, I wow. Um, I was dreading this one ever since episode one of this series. <laughs> I have been dreading this one, and it wasn't as bad as I remember it, because it had a lot of funny moments, mm -hmm. and I think all these funny moments added up are going to give it uh, just a kind of okay score. Mm -hmm. But it, I still, it's just like, what the fuck was this episode supposed to be? Yeah. 
It's it's not even like one of those fun episodes like Stranded or um, the, the Nufu episode. Or, or, or Fractured with Larry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's something I wrote down is, you know, they were going for a fun episode, but it lacked the zaniness of Fractured and of, um, what do you call it, the, you just mentioned it, the... Um, I am the source! Yes, there we go. With, with, what is that one called? Employee of the Month. That's it. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't have the zaniness of that. And, you know, going back to, 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 to Stranded, you know, Stranded had both funny si- a funny side and a deep emotional side. This, this barely had funny, and it had no emotion or depth at all. And that's where this one fails. It's just kind of a bland attempt at humor, and that's really sad. I appreciate yeah. them going for fun, crazy wackiness, but it just it just landed on its face. It really did. Yeah. Uh, one big problem I have here is the heat in that oven the Titans were locked in mm-hmm. melted that mumbo clock thing in just seconds, yeah. but the Titans survived in there for God knows how long. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. No. <laughs> um, but like I said, there's... There were a lot of little things I kind of liked. The monkey's paw, clear reference to the story of the same name where the dude gets the paw that grants wishes, but in horribly twisted ways. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to believe that that being coupled with a brain in a jar is foreshadowing to season five with the brain and Monsieur Mala. Ooh, that's wow. Nice, nice. I would like to think that, but I don't know. I mean... It's probably not, but wow! If not, that's a crazy coincidence. You know? Mm-hmm. And can, you know what? Fuck it. You know, the, the producers of the show, the creators of the show, they're smart men and women. So, yeah, let's give them credit. Let's say that's what they were doing. A monkey and a brain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they had to have been. Or, if they weren't foreshadowing season five, maybe they were at least making a reference to those two in some obscure way, having been Doom Patrol villains, which, of course, is where BB comes from, and they didn't yeah. know they were going to bring them in, but maybe it was supposed to be a reference no matter how you slice it. So there you go. Um, now, since you brought up that scene where uh, we, you know, Cyborg flashes back and they show the monkey paw, they show the brain, mm-hmm. did you happen to notice some of the other things that she had sitting around her? I did. Okay. Uh, we had, well, do you want to say them? Or? Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, she had Control Freaks Remote Control. Mm-hmm. She had, for some reason. Right. She had the Puppet King, again, for some reason. Uh-huh. She had um, what appeared to be the Eye of Agamotto, like Doctor Strange's like talisman. It looked like she had the Bottle City of Candor. That I noted that. That, that was wild. <laughs> and there was one more, which I've never seen before, because I paused and I stared. I'm sure there was a rubber chicken. The rubber chicken's got to be referencing something, but I don't know what. But... They also had Alan Scott's power battery, the original Green Lantern. His Green Lantern power is magic-based, and it's sitting there in the top right corner of that screen. Alan Scott's fucking Green Lantern power battery is there. <laughs> that When I saw that, I was like, had I not been at work when I was watching these, I would have been like, fuck yeah! But instead, <laughs> I just had to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you see anything else there? I mean, I know there were some things I missed. I just couldn't quite make everything out. And I'm oh, guessing yeah. at the Eye of Agamotto. There was just this talisman that looked like an eye. I'm guessing that's what they were going for. Especially when you consider the uh, uh, Doctor Strange reference that was yeah. in the other episode with, with Slade before now. Yeah. No, I didn't notice anything else. I just 
really, I noted the the remote, Puppet King, Candor, and, the, of course, the paw and the brain. Yeah, and i got to tell you, had I not seen what we're both thinking as the bottle city of Candor, I don't think I would have stopped. Because I'm like, okay, if Candor's there, there's got to be other wacky shit in here. <laughs> and they just started noticing these other things. That little scene there, if you can really call it a scene, it was just a bunch of stills, but it, it was animated very much in the old Nicktoon style, like the Ren and Stimpy style of animation. I don't, I, oh. I don't know if it's the same. If it was the same studio that did that little part of the animation mm-hmm. or not, but it was very, very, very similar. I could see, if what not you're exactly that. the same. It's been a while since I can see since I've seen Run and Snippy, but I can see what you're saying there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> now you know we were talking about you know noticing things. Well, who's the hive guy with the with the eye? What's his name? Uh, he do, he's just got the big eyeball. What the fuck is his name? God, I don't even okay. remember what well, his name is. that guy uses some sort of x-ray vision to get a peep at Starfire. Yes, he does. Now, before people call me a hypocrite... Seymour, that's his name. Okay, there we go, yeah. Before people call me a hypocrite, it's a teenager using x-ray vision on a teenager. So I got no problem with it. There's no adult doing it on a teenager... Again so, with the hormones. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And I love Starfire's reaction where she's just like, eh! And she covers herself up. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally, as she would, you know? Yeah. Fully clothed and, she, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, extra clothed thanks to Mother May. I yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Starfire, oh, ahead, she has nine stomachs. Apparently. I mean, <laughs> sure. Why not? You know? You know? The Doctor, he's got two hearts. Um, Worf from Star Trek, I think, has two spines or something. I, he's got redundant systems, so Starfire can have nine stomachs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if one of them is completely dedicated to mustard. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, I love that scene where Beast Boy, he's turned into the dinosaur and eats the giant gingerbread man, and then mm-hmm. he shrinks back down to Beast Boy size, and he's still got the cookie under his arm, and he's just taking pieces off of it, still eating it. <laughs> How many times have we seen the Titans eat their foes? It happens here. It happens with the Nufu. <laughs> um, what do you, and that happens multiple times in that episode, because not only does Cyborg eat the Source, but he also eats all the Bobs. You know, think about it. If he's eating the burgers, he's eating Bobs. Um, yep. And then there was another one where Cyborg ate the villainous candy. Remember when he got this tummy ache? Yep. They have eaten multiple villains. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> That's the name of the game here. Yeah. Um, um, oh, hearing Raven utter the following phrase, of course they are. Mother bakes them with love, <laughs> is just weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was you talking about, the pies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, Robin got an atomic wedgie. Yes, he did, big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oy. Um, speaking of Robin, though, I love that moment where Robin has that realization that Mother May I is, you know, not who they think she is. And he's like, lady, you are not my mother. And yes. Like, Ooh, very nice delivery from the from the voice actor there. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, two other things I, I want to note here. Uh, one's good, one's bad. I'll start with the bad. I, I thought that a lot of the music throughout this episode was really bland. Oh, um, and this yeah. this goes back to the fact that the episode just wasn't as fun as they were trying. I think that really shows in the music. Had the music been more fun, more lively and bouncy, 
I, I think I would have enjoyed this episode more. Now the other. Well, they, thi- oh, I'm sorry. They had uh, on that. They had that little you know montage scene like they do where mm-hmm. they just run around and being chased by the villain. That, I totally see what you're saying. That music was just terrible. That's the exact moment when I wrote the bland music note because normally in those montages it's it's all cool and fun and yay there's a chase even if it's scary you know and here it was just like no one was really trying yeah um now the, the last note i have this is actually the very first note i wrote it's from the very beginning of the episode when robin's doing his hair in the mirror uh we get a brief reflection of the true mother it's very subtle it's very quick you blink and you're gonna miss it but we see the green-skinned uh witchy mother in the reflection and I'm like that was nice very very nice uh, little glimpse into what we were going to see later on uh, anything else? I, I think my last note is I really liked the ending where they send the pie to the hive Yeah. Um, but if you think about it the titans may have just killed the hive Yeah. yeah. so I'm not. I'm not even saying I'm going to count a point off for it because it's so roundabout. But still, that that's something you got to think about there. Yeah. Well, not only have they may have killed the hive, they've also set Mother free. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't set a villain free, even if it's on other villains. You just, especially if it's a magical <laughs> villain who can do God knows what. Exactly. Exactly. So that that was definitely a little weird. I will admit, I knew they. I mean, I know they had to bring the hive back in and have them get comeuppance because you can't have a villain come in and have them really get away. But uh, yeah, a little weird, a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you want to get to our scores here? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let me go all the way back. The prophecy. Um, I I love this one. It's a fantastic bridge episode, and I said it doesn't have any flaws, so therefore I have to give it a ten. Wow. Um, I have to give that one a seven. As I said before, it was just missing something for me. Um, Stranded. Uh, Eight. Just a lot of fun. You know, I wrote a six down for this one. I'm going to leave this at a six for now, but I definitely may come back to this one. Uh, Overdrive. Four. Just, I don't know, just another not-so-good cyborg episode, in my opinion. I'm going straight down the middle with a five. And Mother May I. That gets a five for me, because I just can't decide whether it's a good episode or a bad episode. <laughs> there's so many things I, I dig about it, but there's just as many that I... Ugh, the entire plot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a three down for this one. But as we were talking about it, I had fun synopsizing it. And yeah, we often have a lot of fun synopsizing really kind of crummy episodes, you know? But I realized I did have more fun watching this episode than I thought I did, and I just needed to talk to you about them to remind myself, (laughs) oh, yeah, there was this, there was this. So I'm going to bump it a point. It's not going to be a three. It's going to be a four. Huh? Did we stop Numerous? No. We had to break off the attack to take care of you. We're actually reading the instructions. This microchip was indeed compatible with all of your systems. But when you started shutting those systems down to feed the maximum, your core operating hardware was stressed beyond its limits. To save your life, we had to remove it from your brain. But how am I supposed to beat Billy without the Max 7? I could barely keep up with them before. Maybe you don't need to keep up with him. I could turn into the biggest, strongest, fastest animals on Earth. But you know what, dude? 
Sometimes it's best to be a slow, tiny turtle. That would have been a lot more profound without the hat. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's www.earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss the three-part Teen Titans story, The End. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Was prophecy uh, stranded overdrive? Mother may I correct? No, prophecy stranded. Mother may I overdrive? Yes, yes. You have mother may I? Huh? Huh? Oh, for fuck's sake! You got to be kidding me! No, no, I'm just lying. Yeah, no, you had it right. <laughs> yeah, you have prophecy and don't scare me like that.